0: Heavenly Father, we praise your name and we thank you for what you have done and what you have given us, the blessings that you have given us. As you have called us, we have called and asked and we have stepped out onto the water in faith because you have called us. And the waters seem turbulent. The waves are high. But we focus on you and we will walk upon those waters. Lord, I lift up this time to you. We need to set our eyes upon you and the storm that is around us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for choosing us, for being with us, for guiding us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for those men and women who serve this country, who are serving, who gave their life serving, and those who came home and started families, our families. Lord God, I also want to lift up those people who are not feeling well, who are not doing well. Let them feel your strength well up within them. Let them get better now. Be with Pastor Chris and Erica as they are away. I thank you for the traveling mercies that you have provided them. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you bless their time. I lift up this day to you. I lift up this time to you. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, that it is your words that speak from me. You know all of our hearts. And this is And we are your people. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat if you are standing. Well, good morning. Good morning. Here we are. What a week. Really, what a month. What a year, right? Or in a lot of cases, what a multiple years, right? And it's been crazy, and we all know that, it's been crazy for a long time. Not just politically, which it has been, but just in time reference, right? It's been, it's been crazy. And as I was thinking and praying through, when Pastor Chris asked me to speak, what to speak on, this was in October, and... Uh, I was excited because it came to these verses and it's really, we're going to look at uh, Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 20. And so um, we're going to look at those verses specifically, uh, Ephesians chapter six, 10 through 20. But um, what I want to do is I want to talk just a little bit about what's next, because that's really what, what I thought about. It's all I could think about. Regardless of who won or who wins the election, it was at the time, what do we do next? What do we do? Do we just keep doing what we were doing? What do we do next? And so this passage came to me, not verse 10, not verse 12, right? But really 14 through 17, right? But we're gonna speak today about the whole Verse, the whole, the whole thing that is associated, which is 10 through 20, right? And I know that with our recent election, you may have heard about it. It's been in the news for a little bit, right? The interesting thing is that with our election, there are people who just want to hide in the corner. They want to keep their eyes down and not look. Don't make eye contact. Don't do anything. There are other people who are out there looking for an intense conversation, right? And then there are still others who are in the middle. But what I want to remind you today and what we're going to talk about today is something that we as believers need to know. And it's not just head knowledge, it's heart and soul knowledge. It is that Jesus is king. Jesus is our Lord and savior. Jesus is sovereign. God is sovereign over all. So we're gonna look at Ephesians chapter six, verses uh, 10 through 20, and we're gonna read them here. Right. And so if you have a Bible, whether it's digital or analog, right? I have both, right? My analog Bible, right? And a digital Bible. Right. So open up to Ephesians chapter six. Right? And and what I was taught by my lovely wife, right, is that if you don't know, you go to Romans, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, and then girls eat popcorn continuously. Right? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Right. So it's in Ephesians, it's the very end of chapter six and verse 10, and it says, "'Finally be strong in the Lord "'and in the strength of his might. "'Put on the whole armor of God "'that you may be able to stand firm "'against the schemes of the devil. "'For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, "'but against the rulers, against the authorities, "'against the cosmic powers over this present darkness.'" against the spiritual forces of evil and in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have done all to stand firm. Verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of the salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, which all prayers with all prayers and supplications. To that end keep alert with the perseverance of making supplication for all the saints. And also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Here we have Paul ending his letter to the Ephesians, right? And he starts out saying, finally. Right. Finally. He's saying finally in the light that God has given and God has done for you. Finally in the light of the glorious standing that you have as a child of God. Finally in the light of his great plan for the ages. A plan that you are a part of. Finally in the light for the plan of Christian maturity and growth that he's given you. That we can grow through being with him and learning more about him, through his word, through his, our relationship with him. Finally, in the light of the conduct that God calls every believer. Finally, in the filling of the Spirit, in our walk in the Spirit. Finally, in the light of all this, there is a battle to fight in the Christian life, a battle that we must fight. Finally, finally, He starts out finally in a way that is very unusual, very interesting. It's not only all of these things that happened before in Ephesians, but it's something that we need to take light of, that we need to take notice. Finally, what? What should we do next, right? But he tells us to be strong. We need to be strong as believers. Not like strength. You know, when I was a little kid, right? I tried to lift things to impress my folks or my older cousins, right? I got three older male cousins. Two of them wrestled, were like state champs in wrestling. One was um, an amazing artist. He still is actually an amazing artist, right? And he works in Hollywood doing CG work for Hollywood and films and TV, right? And so my whole life was trying to impress these guys, both artistically as well as mightily, which as you can imagine, I got a lot of... um, I was put in my place a lot of times by my older cousins, right? Which is, which is fun and exciting now, but at the time, crying and, and weeping were not so good, right? It was just like, that's, that's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun anymore, right? <laughs> but we need to be strong. And it says, be strong in the Lord and in his strength and in his might, in the strength of his might. How many times have you been told to be strong? I know for me, it's a couple hundred times. I know for me, it's probably been over a thousand, couple thousand times, right? In dealing with my cousins, being around them as a little kid, right? Being around family, other family members, other people, right? I know that my dad had told me to be strong countless times. And for him saying being strong is very similar to rub some dirt in it, be a man, right? Which I tell to my kids, right? Two of them are girls, which is very entertaining, right? Just rub some dirt in it, be a man right (laughs) but we are told that we need to be strong that we need to be strong um when we are dealing with people when our feelings are hurt as kids being strong that when we're around our friends that we need to be strong with a tough issue or when we are kids and we need to stand up for our conviction we need to be strong when we are at work as believers whether we're working on a project or we're just doing our normal duties we need to be strong but how many times are we really strong or even know what that means what does it mean to be strong how can we do that and paul here in chapter in uh, sorry chapter 6 verse 10 says be strong in the lord and in his and in the strength of his might, right? And in a past sermon, Pastor Chris had talked about how you can change strong strength, might with power. It's the power of the Lord. Be strong in the Lord's power, in his power, by his power. And there are, there are scholars who believe that Paul is, is taking, because Paul was a, uh, had basically memorized the entire Old Testament, that Paul was taking this verse in remembering 1 Samuel 30, uh, chapter 30, verse 6. And that says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because of all the things were bitter in, soul, in their soul. Each of his sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord of the God. And the Lord his God, excuse me. David strengthened himself. Well, really it was God strengthening David. And what happened was that in in those chapters before verse 30 is that David is running away from Saul. Saul's trying to kill, King Saul's trying to kill David. And he's out there running and he's doing things that would be considered kingly, right? To Saul, he's being kind to Saul. There are several times in which David could have killed Saul, but he didn't. Right? So he's running. David's running from Saul. He's with the Philistines. He's now coming back. And this is in verse, uh, as we're leading up to to verse 6. And as he's running back, he's coming with all of his men to Ziklag. I think is how you say it. And he's there and the people and the women and the children and the men who were there and everybody who was there was gone. It was a ghost town. Everybody that was with him comes back to their homes and everybody that they knew was gone. Taken by the Amalekites. David is broken. His family is gone. His children, sons, daughters gone. The word tells us that nobody was killed but they were just taken. He was a broken man. And God used this opportunity to strengthen David once again. And that's because God is sovereign over all things. And he is full of grace and mercy. And there are times when things feel like there's nothing we can do. We are totally broken. Like Job, everything is taken from me. My family is gone. My livelihood is gone. My home is gone. But yet God is still sovereign over all things. David was strengthened by our Lord. That's the same Lord that strengthens us. David received the strength and he could feel it flowing through him. I can imagine that David could remember what it felt like to be strong in the Lord. And the strength that that felt like. And for a lot of us, when we come to know Jesus, when we accepted him into our hearts, when we proclaim him as our Lord and Savior, we felt that strength within us. Right? I can remember the day that I was saved. It was in October, 1997. Sitting in a pew, <clears throat> upper pew uh, in the balcony and just slumping in my seat in tears. Slumping being overwhelmed by the love of God, feeling his strength within me. We all have had similar experiences of feeling God's love and his strength within us. And what I really wanna talk about today is God is sovereign over all things. He, Jesus is sovereign over all things. It may look bad and it may be bad, but we can take heart that God will always be there. Jesus will always be there because he is sovereign over all things. What that means is that we don't get to pick and choose what we want to do, right? I've done that. I've gotten like, okay, I want to do this, God, where I'm, I'm going, telling God what, he should, what we should be doing, right? And it doesn't work because I'm standing on my own strength, I'm trying to do it my own, and I can't. You know, I, I, Pastor Chris talked uh, several sermons ago, you know, probably a year ago or so, or earlier this year, about Jesus sitting on the couch, coming downstairs and seeing Jesus sitting on the couch of your house. He wants access to it all. He wants to be sovereign over all the house. I want him in one little closet, right? And that's how we typically work. We're scared because my house is a mess, right? My house is a mess. But I want Jesus to have total access over everything. And that is both scary and exciting. Times are tough, they just are. But we need to take comfort in knowing that Jesus is sovereign. And we need to remember that it is His will that's being done today, tomorrow, Tuesday. His will is still being done, not only in the United States, but across the world. And it may not feel like it, but it is. It's still happening. There's nothing we can do because when we try to do it, it doesn't work. And the one thing that I, that's been difficult for me that I've tried to instill into my children, which has been difficult for them, right, is that it, it's not all about them. And it's not all about me. And it's not all about you. Because that's when things fail. And that's a hard lesson for us to understand and to, ta- and, and to, to do, right? To really take to heart because God is there. Excuse me, let me back up. The world is there telling us that it is all about us do what you feel is right right your emotions rule what should be happening god says no do what i tell you but we can't do that unless we hear him we can't do that unless we know him right we are told that it's all about us and the bible tells us it's all about god it's all about jesus and the difficult thing is as soon as we walk out these doors, as soon as we go to work, we go home, we do whatever with our families, with our friends, we cannot do those things and be within God to hear his voice, to have his strength, to be within his might if we're trying to do it ourselves. It doesn't work that way. When I was, you know, there, there, this whole message, you know, um, I. For the past couple months, month and a half, you know, Annika's been at school in California. So we have a lot of video chats, right? So she can see Maddox and and the family, Elise and Kristen and I, right? And so yesterday, my poor daughter, we had this video chat, right? Maddox is sleeping with Elise. She's she's taking him so I can work on the sermon and stuff. And um, so we have this chat. And And so I started, she asked, unfortunately for her, she asked, hey, Dad, what are you preaching on? that was not necessarily the right thing because then all of a sudden it just started coming. This and this and this and this and this. And and, and she's just, right? She was very good about it, right? But when I think about strength and power in the Bible, right? Samson comes to mind, right? This man of great strength, so when he was born, when it was foretold that he was born, when his parents were told that he was going to be born and that he needed to be, have a Nazarite, to be a man of a Nazarite, right? Which basically means no strong, strong drink, to be everything clean, to not cut his hair, all these things. And so he did some miraculous things. And every time he did something great, the Bible said that the, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, which I loved, right? Rushed upon him. But then we see that Samson falls away, right? God kind of leaves him, right? His hair is cut, his eyes get gouged out. He's become prisoner of the Philistines. They mock him, beat him. And then all of a sudden, in Judges 19, verses 20 through 31, we see Samson crying out to God. And he's crying out that the Lord will give him strength one last time because he says, oh Lord God, please remember me. Now how many times have we said something similar to God when we were basically in the pit of despair, when we feel like nothing, everything's closing in around us, we have nothing, we're like, God, remember me. And this is what Samson is saying, Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only once more, right? Just one more time, Lord God, let me feel your strength. And we know that he does that and he asks the guard to lean him up against the pillars because he's chained to these pillars with all the Philistine and the royalty and and all the noble people there. And he pushes the pillars down and the whole roof comes crashing down. Down. And then in the New Testament we see and we need, we hear about the Lord strengthening us right from the Apostle Paul and this is a verse that we all know it, it's a it's a memory verse that a lot of us know from very early on right and it's Philippians four thirteen that says right he says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me that doesn't mean that I can go out and ignore God and then go do something in his name. And he's going to give me strength to do it. That doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that I can do anything I want with God. What that means is that I need to have build that relationship with God. I need to know him. I need to understand. I need to hear his voice. I need to follow his command. And when I do that, And when he asks me to go, as he does in Matthew with the Great Commission, I can go, and it may seem scary, it may seem overwhelming, but he will strengthen me during that time. And how many people do we see in the Bible where God strengthens them in times in which they feel like there's no way? And one of my favorite examples of that is Gideon, right? He, my my kind of joke that I have told the youth group years ago was that he's the smallest guy from the smallest family from the smallest tribe. And God uses him with a bunch of uh, lapping water drinking men to go out and to destroy a city, right? Because he gets all these people and God knows there's too many. So he separates them. If anybody wants to go home, go home. And he, he gets smaller and he goes, oh, there's still too many. Because God's worried about it being on their own, thinking that it's them that does it, not God. God will strengthen you today just as he strengthens Jesus, just as he strengthens Gideon, as he strengthens Moses. God will strengthen us. But we have to know who he is. We have to know who he is in our heart. We have to know who he is in our lives. And we have to follow him. And that is scary. Christ strengthens us because of our relationship with him. We seek to be more like him. We want him to take over our lives, to hear what he has for us, to know what we are to do next. What should we do? Should we hide, put our head in the sand? Or do we stand bold and be a light to this dark world? It's interesting to me Because for many, many years, I've tried to do things on my own. And I would say we have tried to do things, believers collectively. And it's hard because it never works. And it's interesting because as as speaking of his doing his will, the will of God, and by doing that, we're gaining his strength. I want to tell you about a man that I know. There's a man and his family and he was praying to God. And he hears God says, I want you to go to these people. And so he starts praying about it. He talks to his family, to his wife, praying, praying. And it's the building of the relationship that Jesus has with him that he's able to see that, I want you to go. Now, when he starts telling his family and his friends, I heard from God and he's telling me to go to be a missionary here in this place. The people go, we want proof. How can you be for sure, for certain that this is God talking? And he tells them, he shares with them that the many months that he and his family has been praying the many months that they have seen God give confirmation that this is what he wants them to do. So it went from praying to hearing God's voice, praying to know what God has for him, what to do, praying to strengthen him after he tells his friends and family. he indicated to me that there was no way he could do any of this on his own, but needed the strength of the Lord Jesus. And it was only by him having that relationship and hearing what God had for him that he was able to feel God's strength and that he was in doing so able to show God's love to them and to explain to them through the strength of Jesus with his friends and family that this is exactly what God wanted. We also see when Paul, before he was called Paul, we see him at Stephen's death. And we see him after that receiving permission by the Jewish leadership to go to Damascus and to, do, to arrest people, to bring them back to Jerusalem um, and arrest them. And on the way to Damascus, which is where he was going, right? Every, it's, it's very well-known people, believers know, right in Acts 9, and in verse 22, right, let me, before we get to 22, we see that he has this encounter with the risen Jesus. And he goes to Damascus people with him there. And he is blinded, right? So he needs to be taken. And he goes to Ananias in Damascus. And after reaching Ananias, he prays over Paul. And it says something like scales fell from his eyes and he was able to see with new eyes. How many times when we became believers, we were able to see things with new eyes, either how we were before, how our friends were or are. And then in Acts 9, 22, it says, we read that Paul or Saul increased all the more in strength and he confounded the Jews that lived there, that lived in Damascus, right? He grew in strength. We see Paul, who was feared by the early believers, changed miraculously by the risen God, by the risen Jesus, now preaching the gospel to the Jews in Damascus. This is such a huge change, right? And if you were there, probably like me, if I was there, no one could really understand what was going on. Is this not the same guy that we know who was there And I can imagine in my mind egging on people as he's holding their cloaks to stone Stephen, right? Who the the scripture tells us had a face of an angel who prays for the people who are stoning them. Lord, they know not what they do. Is this not the same Saul? And for, you know, this is for the Jews as well as for the believers in Damascus. They couldn't believe the change. But Saul knew that he, Paul knew he couldn't do this on his own. He needed the Lord's strength, right? But what does that mean? It means that he had to grow in his love for Jesus, grow in his time of learning of what Christ had done, right? And he had help from the Holy Spirit for sure. But he was growing during that time because he needed the Lord's strength He needed the Lord's strength as he was dealing with both the Jewish people and the believing church there. Both of whom could not understand or really trust what he was doing. They just couldn't, right? But it was only through the Lord that he was able to do any of those things. The strength that he was given. We can do nothing without the strength of the Lord. If Paul tried to do that when he was in Damascus, there's no way he would be able to succeed, right? And we know through Corinthians, through these other books, that he had a lot of challenges, right? From being shipwrecked, from being beaten, from being stoned, right? Being whipped. There's no way he can continue on. And we see through the book of Acts, the other apostles and other disciples who were equally treated ill by people, ill by people. And there's no way they could do it without the strength that Jesus gave them. We live in a time where every day it gets closer and closer to Jesus' return. Every day is closer. And the more our faith, our relationship that we have with him, the more important that will be. The relationship with Jesus is exceptionally important. So we are not because we are not strong enough on our own, we need his to be strong in the Lord, to have his strength and his might, not ours. In Luke chapter twenty-two, right, this is right before, right after the Last Supper, right before he is betrayed and, and taken to the Jewish leadership, right? He's praying in Gethsemane. And we see that as he is praying, an angel of the Lord is there to strengthen him. In this time where Jesus is having a difficult difficulty because he's like, Lord, let your cup pass if it's your will. If it's your will, please don't let me do this. And then we see an angel strengthen him because it's so hard of what he needed to do. Our faith in our relationship with Jesus. And as that grows, we will receive strength of his might. Now while on the cross, we see that Jesus is on the cross, that he has the sin of man thrust upon him. There is nothing that we could have done, but Jesus is there to take on the judgment of God. And the amazing thing, the one thing that I cannot comprehend yet until I meet him, have him hold me, have him say, I love you, is to know that he did all of that for us, for our sake, so that we can be with him in eternity, that he prevailed for us. When we are strong in the Lord, we have power in the Lord. And when we can stand in the strength of his might, we can stand in the power of his mighty power. And as he's saying all this, as Paul's saying this in Ephesians chapter 10, right, he goes and he says. Because you can be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, you need to do this. You need to put on the full armor of God. I found this picture of a Roman soldier, right? At this time, anybody that Paul was talking to had this picture in their mind, right? Or something similar to it. If you were to think about a soldier today you would have an understanding of what, it, what they kind of look like from the fatigues, the helmet, the gear. The, the, some people are more familiar than others, right? But any time frame, you would ask anybody from any time, what does a soldier look like? They could probably tell you of what the soldier looked like in their day. Right? And we see here, we have a soldier with armor on. We see a soldier with a long spear. We see a soldier with a sword, right? It was kind of a short sword. It was a Roman Short sword, which was good for, in you know, close hand to uh, uh, close quarters fighting, hand to hand fighting. It wasn't like the um, Bravehearts sword, that's like eight feet tall, right? That doesn't really work when you're trying to get close into somebody, right? They also had another sword, almost like a dagger, shorter, on their persons, if not two, right? They had a shield, right? And what I read when I was learning is that. Some of the shields were this size, some of the shields were bigger, right, taller, from shoulder to ankle, right? And I can't imagine how heavy that would have been, right? But here we have a picture, and everybody who Paul would have been talking to would have understood what a Roman soldier looked like, or what a soldier looked like. Because he says, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, Now, it's interesting that Paul is talking to us like this. And what I want to talk about is is something that I don't even have in my notes because I was telling Annika yesterday. So, and I was searching and researching this, that um, as probably some of you may know, that the topic of the armor of God is expansive, right? And you think of throughout time, it's expansive, And in, in reading some of the books that I have and in researching one individual in particular, it really struck out to me. Because it says, put on the whole armor of God. Now I wanna talk about the of for just a moment. Of God, right? There are some scholars and there is very, very few who focused on that of. Because that of was something that was so miraculous to them, something that they never thought of before, in that the armor of God was God's own armor. Because people just skip to the end, the sword of the spirit, right? The helmet, the breastplate, the shield, right? It's God's armor. It's of God. Or likewise, God made it special for you. Special for you. It's of God. And that just, just blew me away because it's something that I never thought of before. Right? It's cool to talk about the sword of the spirit right? or the shield of faith that extinguishes the flaming darts. Right? And we're gonna get to that next week. We're gonna look at that more closely this week, or uh, sorry, next week. But it's interesting because he's put on the full armor of God. But we can't do that unless we have faith in him. We can't do that unless our strength is within him. We have his power and his might. Now, I don't know about you, but I love movies and I I do like TV shows and stuff. And I've been... um, watching a lot of MASH lately. And I don't, for some of you younger kids, you probably have no idea, right? Unless you skip over the reruns and like, what is this, right? But for the people who are older, my parents age and older, right? Um, MASH was a TV show about the Korean War. And we had quite a few people uh, or a few people in our congregation who fought in the Korean War. Like David was in the Korean War, right? My uncle was in the Korean War. I had two uncles in the Korean War. Or, uh, excuse me, Korean conflict, right? Or police action, right? The Korean War, right? So, but, and so, but, it, it, so I've been watching a lot of that because it's like 20 minutes, it's easy, it's quick, and I don't really have to think about things, right? And it took place, they filmed it in the 70s and 80s, so it, it ran for a long time, and it was hugely popular. Hugely popular. So I'm watching it in my room, it's late at night, it's like midnight, I'm watching it, and I had Maddox because I'm feeding him because it's just easy to do. Lights out, TV's on, right? And, and I'm feeding Maddox. And in my office there, I have, from where I was feeding him to my right here, above our printer, I have a picture of my grandfather. This is that picture. And, and I started thinking about it with the particular episode I was watching, and then I thought about this picture. Uh, because the episode that I was uh, looking at or watching was talking about how a soldier was trying to get out of the army by putting on the clothes of his dead friend, right? Because he didn't want to be there anymore. Took his dog tags, took his clothes, took his orders that he was leaving. The reason why that made me think of my grandfather here is because if some of you may be able to see it, but right down here, try to move, down here it says Hauser, that's not his shirt at all. It had a different name on it. So during, my fa- grandfather was in the Coast Guard during World War II. He did some landing craft, things in the South Pacific. He was a, a riverboat in uh, India uh, when he was deployed from, the, from Washington. And so uh, he did some things like that. He was on a naval vessel in the South Pacific, shirtless, just with his hat on, his helmet there. and this guy came up, and I don't know if it was for Stars and Stripes, I don't know if it was a magazine, what it was, but somebody goes, I want to take your picture and start taking pictures of all these soldiers. My grandfather was shirtless. He was, you know, it was hot. So they were passing around this guy's shirt. And so they took a picture of it with my grandfather in a shirt. And so we have my uncle, I believe my uncle has this shirt, my dad's older brother. And so when my grandfather was still alive, my uncle um, worked for a satellite company and did their brochures and stuff. And so he goes, you know, I can fix that. Because he had hundreds of thousands of different font si- types and stuff like that. So he fixed it. He removes the name of the guy whose shirt it was and put our name on there, right? And it's just a fun story, right? But it's like, and it looks so authentic. I mean, it looks like it should belong there, right? And we read that this is, excuse me, excuse me, that we read that this is not anything new in Scripture of soldiers putting on other soldiers' clothing, right? Because we have this, right? And anybody who, who knows or kind of this comic, which I thought was hilarious, right? It's King David putting on Saul's, King Saul's armor to go and face Goliath, right? And we know the Goliath, the giant Goliath, some people say he's like nine feet, nine inches tall, right? This huge man, huge man, right? And this is in 1 Samuel 17, and it's basically the whole chapter one through 58, right? And David is... Told by his father, Jesse, to go to this battle. Go because your three older brothers are there. Take them this food. The other guys who are there, take them this cheese. Right? Take care of your brothers. So after, it was like 40 days of Goliath coming out between, because the Israelite army's is on one hill, they're on the other hill. Right? And a valley in between. And nobody wants to go to the valley so that the person with, on the hill gets the upper hand. So Goliath will come out. He came out as being the champion of the Philistines and says, I will fight anybody. I'll fight your champion. Basically one-on-one for winning the whole thing. And he did this for 40 days. David finally arrives, gives the food to his brothers, right, gives the cheese. And And all the guys are there. He's like, what's happening? And so they tell him. And he goes, why wouldn't anybody... Fight for the living God. And that's me paraphrasing. Eventually, this question by this young kid gets taken all the way up, told to King Saul. And Saul's like, let me see this kid. Who is this that's saying this? Right? Do they even understand who's out there? Have they seen him? Probably not. And then after David tells Saul, because David had the strength of the Lord and his power and might, we see that he goes in verse 38, 1 Samuel, 17:30 he goes, "Then Saul clothed David with his armor and put on the helmet of bronze on upon his head and clothed him with a cloak of mail, and David st- um, strapped his sword over his armor. It didn't work. There's no way David could move. right? There's no way David could move. This is what God wants us to do. God wants to put his armor on us. He has armor specifically for us and he wants us to wear it. Except one thing, it doesn't look like this, it fits us. I am different than my children, than you. But we know that God's armor fits each of us as it should. As it should. You know, it's interesting, as I said before, you know, scholars, uh, a little bit, uh, there's a lot of scholars that when they think of the armor, right, it's, it's very interesting to them. And there's a lot of different things and uses that the armor gives us but it is the armor of God and that he supplies to his people, to his soldiers. Now the armor is used to fight battles against the enemy and that enemy is cunning and smart. Our relationship with Jesus, we need to be strong in him to be able to fight the enemy. We need to have his strength and his might as we fight the enemy. As David puts on the armor of the king, we must too also put on the armor of our king, our Lord and Savior. And it's important that we are strong in the Lord and Savior, that we are strong in him, have his strength and his might, and that we put on the entire armor. We don't get to put on just what we want. We don't get to put on just the shield to stop the flaming darts. We don't get to just have the sword the only offensive weapon that, he, that we're told, we have to have the entire ensemble, the entire thing. And that's important because we're told that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. His armor is not of this world. It's supernatural. It's of his kingdom. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are in a battle for our soul. And the enemy moves in a way that it feels like we are in a battle for our lives, and sometimes we are. But God is sovereign over all things, He is sovereign. No matter what happens, He is in control. And for a lot of people, this is how we this is a clear, this is a a very clear picture of how we live right now. We're scared. The walls are closing in. But what I can tell you is that until we are in the kingdom of heaven, until we are in his kingdom, we will always be fighting the enemy. There is not a day that won't go by that we aren't fighting. And we need to be able to have his strength to do it. We cannot lose hope. We cannot think that we are going to be defeated. And what I would tell you is what I've what I've told others in the youth group is that we win in the end. There is no chance. You know, Psalm 23 says, in the shadow of death. Death does not happen for a believer. Right? We live eternally with God. And for people, other people, unbelievers, that shadow is mighty scary. But it's still a shadow for the believers, for us. What we need to remember is that God is sovereign. In 2 Samuel 7, it says, How great are you, sovereign Lord! There is no one like you, and there is no God but you. And as we have heard with our own ears. We see King David giving thanksgiving to God for what he has done. Right? In Psalm uh, 8, 6, it says, You have made him to have dominion. You made Jesus to have dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet Jesus has dominion over all. Everything is under his feet. He is sovereign over all. 1 Corinthians 15, 28, all things are subjected to him. Then the son son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under the feet that God had made, may be all in all. In 1 Corinthians here in 15, 28, we see that Paul is talking to Corinthians about their disbelief in life after death. It is only because Jesus conquered death that everything is subjected to him. In Hebrews 2.8, it says now, in putting everything in subjection to him and to Jesus, he left nothing outside his control in that present. Yet we do not see everything is subjection to him. Even though we don't see everything, God is sovereign over all, over all. In Colossians 1, 15 and 16, it says, he is in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And for him, all things are created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, where domi- thrones and dominions and rule over rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Everything was created for him. Right? And there are many, many other verses that show us that God is sovereign. Jesus is sovereign over all. Do not be in despair. Right? Do not be in despair. Take encouragement that as children of Jesus, of children of God, that we, brothers and sisters of Jesus, children of God, that we can be strong in the Lord and have his strength and his might. And it is because of our relationship and for us to grow that relationship and for us to be able to hear his voice that we will be able to know the movement of the Holy Spirit. And when we are strong in the Lord, that we will also have his strength of his might. Remember, God is in control. Even though we think we are, we are not. And I know it's difficult to understand sometimes, especially what's going on today as we listen to the news or the radio. But God is sovereign. God loves you and chose you since before the beginning of the world. Every single one of us can have an amazing, intimate relationship with Jesus. And sometimes that relationship is hard to maintain, just like our relationships with friends or our spouses or our significant others, right? Our parents. That relationship can be hard. But it is so worth to have that relationship with Christ. And everything seems a bit scary right now. But remember, God is always protecting his people throughout history. He is in control. He is putting people, both believers and non-believers, in places to work on his plan. He is in control. We can see all of the places where He is working. Let me rephrase that. We cannot see all of the places where He is working because He's been working in all of our hearts. He's working in people's hearts that we don't even know yet will become our brothers and sisters. He's working in our hearts, my heart, right now. And that's because He is strong that I can have strength as he gives us his strength, that we can be mighty as he is mighty. You are created by his beautiful hands. Don't ever, ever forget that. He has given you his armor, his armor, so that you are able to fight all that we cannot see. At the end, in verse 13, it says, having done all to stand firm. Right? Let's see, verse 13. Therefore, uh, it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil, uh, in the evil day. Having all, having done all to stand firm. Our day is evil. As we walk out, we see and hear evil all the time. It is our relationship with Christ. It is us, the fact that we can be strong in Jesus, that we can have his strength and his power and his might in our life, that then we can then have on the full armor of God, not just bits and pieces, but the entire thing, that then we can go out and be light unto this world because we can't do it on our own. We need him. And as I was thinking about this uh, yesterday and praying through it, right, I, I had this, this song come to my head, right? And we're not gonna sing it. Um, we're gonna sing a different song at the end, right? But I, I, was, I was, had have, have this song that came to mind. And here are the words, and most of us know the words, right? It says, we are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored. And they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And they will know we are Christians by our love. As we have Christ in our hearts, as we come to know him as our Lord and Savior, Lord and Savior, God is sovereign over all. We can be strong in the Lord. We can have the strength of his might, of his power. We can put on the whole armor of God. And we can fight the enemy in places that are unseen. And one day we will be heaven, united together as one body in Christ. But the people will know us that we will be around our friends, our family, our coworkers, people on the street, people in the store. They will know us by our love. Because God is love. He is love. God is sovereign over all. If we are in one spirit, with, if we are one with the Spirit and we are one with the Lord, we will be strong because He is strong. We will have access to the f- whole, full, entire armor of God the armor that will help us defensively and offensively against the enemy but also in doing so all those who are around us will know because Jesus loves us that we love them. Because love comes from God himself. This week I want you to ask yourselves this, am I strong? and be comforted by, his, by, by him being sovereign, by his sovereignty. We are strong because he is strong. We are mighty because he is mighty. And all of that because he is sovereign over all things. Over all things. Let us pray. Lord God, I lift this day up to you. You are in control over all things. You are sovereign over all things. You created everything, both the seen and the unseen. You have made us in your image. You have done what no one else could do in sending your son Jesus to live and to be able to take uh, the punishment that was meant for us. Lord God, you never let go of us. You will always be giving us blessings. You will always be searching after us, loving us. We are strong because you are strong. We have strength because you have given us that strength. We have your might because you have given it to us. And you have given us your armor so that we can go out and fight the enemy. And as we do so, the people around us will know that we are followers of you because we will show them your love. I thank you for this glorious, beautiful day you've given us. It is so gorgeous. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we walk out these doors, we will remember that we are strong because you are strong and that you are sovereign over all things and that we don't need to hide in a corner or hide from people, but that you will give us your strength and that we will need to put on your armor. And next week we'll talk about that armor, but Lord God, I just pray that we can take comfort in you being sovereign over all sovereign over all. Things may be scary, but you are king. That you are our Lord and Savior. I thank you for this time and this day. I thank you for our veterans that are here and those who have gone home to you, Lord God, and those who are still serving. I lift up your people and ask that you bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Please uh, stand as we finish with a song, and then as the song ends, please uh, dismiss, as we don't want to be congregating in here.